BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, what's up? I'm Pendarvis Harshaw, the host of KQED's Right Nowish podcast. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Heads up, this podcast contains explicit language. In the spring of 2006, there was this video posted on YouTube titled Stomper Go Dumb. The clip is less than a minute long, but it shows something that's really important. It's shot in a parking lot. It's Stomper, the Oakland A's mascot, a big gray plush elephant with white pants and a forest green and gold baseball jersey. And he's out there gigging to an E-40 song. Ears flapping, feet sliding, arms waving. Stomper is in full party mode. And so are the folks around him. Behind the camera is me. In the footage, Stomper gets up close to the camera as he dabs me up. And then he proceeds to glide across the pavement, pausing momentarily to act as if he's ghost riding the whip. And then he thizz dances. Another guy in an airbrush white tee stands next to him, gigging as well. The guy's shirt has the letters R.I.P. boldly written next to an illegible name. And they're all dancing to E-40's Happy to Be Here. I done see my homie grandparents go back to crack. How sick is that? Digging my levels to send some pictures. Pray for me over the phone and read me some scriptures. The track is off 40's My Ghetto Report Card album. One of a few slower tracks off his landmark project, which is chock full of high energy party anthems. But in that moment, as we're posted in front of E-40's album release party at Tower Records, it's this song that plays as the A's mascot is showing off his gigs. People are dancing and laughing, embracing each other and celebrating, despite having the letters R.I.P. and their friends' names written across their chest. It's gloomy out here, dark days ahead. God got my back, but the devil, he want my head. After I shot the video, I posted it to the YouTube page for Youth Radio, now known as YR Media. I was a baby reporter working with them at the time. And with this video racking up half a million views and hella people using the footage as gifts on social media platforms, it was clear that I documented something significant. Deeper than a dancing elephant, it was a window into the culture. I'm Pendarvis Harshaw, and this is Hyphy Kids Got Trauma. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. 
special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. In that video of Stomper dancing to an E-40 song, the mascot does a few more dance moves and then gives an extended embrace to her brother with cornrows and a black leather jacket. The person inside the Stomper mascot outfit is saying what's up to my right-hand man, Jesusel. Zeus, as we call him. He's just a couple inches taller than me, born exactly three weeks before me, and we're a lot alike. We're socialites. Neither of us can stay away from a party. Oakland proud, we both love the town and constantly get caught up in our own thoughts about how to save it, and the world for that matter. While I chose to sit down and write for a living, Zeus chose to fly. A trained gymnast for over a decade, he worked for the NBA. Majority of that time was with the Golden State Warriors as an acro dunker. That means that at halftime of a game, he'd come out with his crew, the Warriors Thunder Dunk Team, and run across the court, bounce off a trampoline, elevate higher than the rim, catch the ball midair, wink at the camera, and then dunk the ball before safely returning to earth. Outside of that, he's also a well-known dancer from West Oakland. I got this photo in my text message today. What's going on here? Oh man, that's crazy, that's a throwback. So this photo is of me dancing at Youth Uprising uh, in a dance battle. Uh, and I look super young and skinny. We grew up in different parts of the town and met during a seventh grade summer program, cracking jokes on the back of the bus. And after 20 plus years, we haven't stopped cracking jokes since. The Jordans, are those the fake Jordans we got? I think those was the fake Jordans. Fake Jordans. Yours is faker than mine, though. Faker? How they go? If they fake, they fake. They fake, they fake. But yours, your Jordan had butt cheeks. You remember that? He was facing the wrong way. He was facing the wrong way, and it was, he had the butt cheeks showing. Mine, I could at least, you know, uh, well, I was getting away with it. You just got to pull the jeans down. I had over to pull the, the jeans. Yeah, I had to wear the big jeans over them. Back in 06, we were broke community college students taking classes at Laney and Oakland. Zeus had dreams of becoming an NBA mascot and was simultaneously developing his own acro dunking team. I was focused on doing journalism and had just got accepted to Howard University. So while I was spending the year getting ready for college on the East Coast and getting my journalism chops up, Zeus was building his own legacy, both in the town and around the globe. I've been to China 10 times, been to Italy, um, Rome, Japan, Dubai, Abu Dhabi, Mexico. He adds England, Budapest, and all of North America. He's performed for Ripley's Believe It or Not, holds a couple of Guinness World Records, and in 2005, he performed in front of some of the biggest names in the business at the NBA All-Star Game in Denver, Colorado. I met Destiny's Child. They, like, room was right next door to ours. Jay-Z, Chris Tucker. We met so many different people. Zeus got his start after being mentored by the late Siddiqui Fuller the guy who wore the Thunder mascot costume for the Golden State Warriors. And that's how Zeus got to know other mascots, like Stomper. But Zeus's main inspiration came from superheroes in movies and television shows. In his own way, Zeus was a superhero when he was on the court. And just like any superhero, he'd be treated differently when he took the cape or um, uniform off. He would leave the old Warriors arena in East Oakland, and he'd transition. 
like Superman to Clark Kent. Times where I'm I'm having a the day of my life. Like I just a new dunk, first person to do it. I do it in front of people, I make it. I'm feeling like on cloud nine. And then I get back, you know, everybody leaving the bark. And uh, people don't have to know, notice me. I'm not tripping off of that. But then, you know, people clutching their purse or, you know, like just trying to like stand away from me. You know what I mean? I'm like, bro, you was just clapping for me. Yeah. Just like that. You was just clapping for me. And now I'm just another nigga that may bring harm your way. And that's trauma within itself. There's trauma in that duality of physically showing joy and being celebrated and then getting hit with the weight of reality. In order to escape it, Zeus would literally leave. He found solace in seeing the world. But despite the freedom he felt traveling back then, Zeus knew that he had to keep his stories close to chess because of how smirkish people can be. I remember just traveling like, I mean, soon as, oh man, as soon as I touched that airplane, Oakland is in Oakland. I'm going global. I'm out, right? And then when I come home, I have to pretend like I'm not that person. You gotta dumb it down? I gotta dumb it down all the time. Because when people people who speak too highly on themselves are typically the ones who end up shot first, <laughs> right? <laughs> they typically the ones that people target. It could be jealousy, it could be hate it could be all kind of stuff sometimes you got to just stay under the radar to to survive that's how we survived this long as confining as that might seem it was kind of the code still is the town is a place where you got to stay low even as you come up but on the contrary zeus was getting his limelight on the hoop courts and outside of that he was cutting up on a dance floor that's where he really escaped specifically through the art of turf dancing Turf dancing is an acronym called Taking Up Room on the Floor that was coined by uh, Jarrell Bay. So turf dancing is a style of dance that derives from Oakland, and it's storytelling, and it's uh, certain moves that you do, but it's storytelling, it's waving, gliding, all of that, but it's a certain swag that comes with it. But before it was even called turfing, it was called hitting it or touching it or fucking with it or, yeah, like fuck with it, man. You know what I'm saying? Jarrell Bay, raised between Oakland and LA, is a marketing-minded brother who had turf dancing lightweight land on his doorstep. They know me as uh, the godfather of turf dancing. I, I coined the phrase. A lot of people are like, you just coined the phrase. But, you know, coining is something, you know, you use before anybody else uses it. So I used it in both in print and in you know, my flyers, you know, my events, you know, just, I, I, I was, I knew long ago, just from having a lot of internships that, you, you know, you brand yourself, you know, how to brand myself. So I definitely am known for that. Jarrell was a party promoter who was living in West Oakland. And that's where two young dudes from the neighborhood, Demetria Ziegler and Corey Johnson, a.k.a. Scooby, would hang around his house. Those are two first kids I met. And then those two kids brought every other kid around me. You know, um, these kids were like 14, 15 with sawed off shotgun in their backpack. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, but good kids. But just needed some focus. And the only thing they all knew, the only thing they all knew how to do was dance. Guns and money, drugs and all that. They all was coming in front of the house dancing with me. And so my thing was like, okay, I got to give back and give them something to do. 
The dance sessions brought about dope moves, clean gigs, and hype reactions. The problem was, the dance they were doing didn't really have a name. There were notable moves, the drop, the airwalk, the old school Brookfield, but the overall dance style was just kind of part of Oakland culture. That's how we moved. And at the same time, the terms folks were using to describe the dance style weren't exactly marketable to the venues Jarrell was looking to work with. I was like, man, I can't sell this as fuck with that or gigging. So Jarrell started brainstorming. And during the conversation with one of his cousins, it all clicked. And I got the youngsters in front of the house, you know, we wanted to meet you I mean, fucking with this shit, but you know, they all dance different. East Oakland, the West Oakland, they all dance different, like different turfs and dance. Different times to be dance. Man, I was turf dancing sound. He was like, oh yeah, that's it. That's that's it right there. And so that's what it was. Everywhere your little homies was going, what y'all doing? We turf dance, turf dance. And that's how I was stuck. Even when I did community events in, in the city, I made sure they put it on the flies. We turf dance. We're not hyphy dancers. Hyphy was kind of like the energy, the the spirit, the movement. But you know, turf dance is how we was able to separate ourselves from the energy. You know, we was turf dancing. We wasn't hyphy dancing. Turf dancing, a mixture of boogaloo, pop lock, pantomime, and being player while moving on beat. That was something different than just going 18 dummy like some might imagine when we're talking hyphy dancing. I mean, that was part of it, but it was deeper than just shaking your dreads. Shake them dreads. It was a world of Bay Area storytelling through dance, complete with signature moves from certain neighborhoods. Hence the name turf dancing. And people would dance everywhere, at the bus stop, the house party, the candy shop, which was this fake teenager club function thing that didn't serve alcohol but was still full of faded teenagers. We hit it at the sideshow, on a car, in a car, in the school hallway, acting as if you were a car, and at your local community center, specifically this one called Youth Uprising. When Youth Uprising opened in 2005, it was this sleek-looking youth center located on 87th and MacArthur in East Oakland a huge, freshly painted, state-of-the-art building with bright colors that stood in contrast to the surrounding apartment buildings and the adjacent school, Castlemont High School, an institution that had been under-resourced for years, and it showed. Inside of Youth Uprising, the building was well-decorated with artwork and photos. They offered healthy meals to teenagers who came from the surrounding community, as well as employment and educational resources. I'd go up there to kick it in the music studios or attend discussions about the state of the community. And I'd also hit the dance battles they threw. Turf dance battles. Here's founding Youth Uprising staff member, Jackie Johnson. We stopped publicizing them after a while. We would just like announce the day we were gonna do it because they would just get so like crazy. Like our little amphitheater would just be packed and we would see like young people running down the hill across MacArthur from um, up the hill, just running, cutting through like backyards to run over to the center. Jackie is a longtime community advocate who works at the intersection of social justice and entertainment. Back in the day, she got her start as a young adult on the staff of Youth Uprising. One of her tasks was to organize and promote the turf dance battle events. And through that, she saw how important dancing was to the culture. The crowd fueled the dancers, the dancers fueled the crowd. Like it was just this perfect mixture of just a showing of what um, Oakland, of what the Bay Area's energy is about. And I just think that that time I always reflect on, you can't, 
you know, I, I hope that young people or, you know, other generations, they'll have their own moments like that. But that to me, that just feels like a moment that couldn't couldn't be duplicated. The dance battles will be roughly once a month and they'd garner all kinds of attention. Makes sense. We didn't have much else to do. A lot of this culture was born out of a void. There weren't many places in Oakland where folks could congregate for large scale hip hop events. And it had been that way. Because of previous conflicts and altercations at shows, hip-hop concerts were constantly under threat of being banned or over-policed in Oakland. A lot of artists and promoters would turn to the Bay Area suburbs and Central Valley to do hip-hop events. But Youth Uprising was one of the venues in Oakland working to connect young fans to the local stars. A lot of artists would stop through and perform. And I think they loved being able to connect with the young people and be a source of inspiration. And then the young people were excited because they never knew who was going to stop by and what was going to happen next. Yeah, that was me. One of the young folks juiced to be at the center. I initially started by catching a bus up there after hearing about it from some friends. But when I got my car, this plum-colored Chrysler Sebring with a functional sunroof and a dysfunctional sound system, I was there. Well, until the transmission died. Then I was back on the bus. But either way, I was for sure pulling up. And I'd bounce out with that same camcorder that I filmed Stomper going dumb with, show love to the security guards, and then, as a young journalist trying to get on, I'd find my way to interviewing folks like E-40, Mr. Fab, B-Dow White, Too Short, The Hustler, The Jacket, and later, Oakland Mayor Ron Dellums. I have a few photos from back then, not much video. When I look back at the few photos I have of myself from back then, man, I was in it. Specifically, this one photo of me sitting in the audience of a dance battle, wearing an oversized t-shirt, baggy jeans, and those same knockoff Jordans that Zeus roasted me about, or holding on to that camcorder. Yeah, I was in it. I was one of the many young folks who ascribed to a culture that was having its moment in the sun, despite the ever-present dark clouds. Back in the day, Jarrell Bay taught classes at Youth Uprising. In addition to that, he choreographed dances for music videos and performances. He also threw dance events, including battles between cities. Right before one event in Los Angeles, Demetrius Ziegler, who used to hang out in front of Jarrell's house, was killed. In response, Jarrell and his dance team, the Architects, danced in the battle in Demetrius' honor. I remember us all having this sweater, his picture, like, you know, on the hoodies, you know, which is synonymous with losing someone on the street. So we had him on our hoodies and we drove down to L.A. Jarrell and his team won the battle, but they did so while mourning their friend. Full of mixed emotions, they made the drive back to Northern California. I'm tired. Everybody's sleeping in the van. I get a call, I think, from just Jackie Johnson. She's like, yeah, we, um, you know, E-4, you heard about your guy being killed and, and um, they want to put you in this video called Tell Me When to Go. I said, the song I've been hearing on the radio? She goes, yeah, they're shooting in West Oakland right now. I'm like, damn, I live in West Oakland. I'm like, where? Oh, by the train station. Well, that's three blocks away from me. Cool. I wake up everybody and like, hey man, we're gonna shoot a video. We're gonna tell me when to go. What? We smash the West Oakland, we pull up the house, we take a little hoe bass and shit, watching our face and shit. They get to the set, and 40, Lil John, and the production team are moving through scenes. The iconic opening of the video with the circle of folks going dumb on the ground, shaking their dreads, that's not them. That's another dance crew. After rushing to the set, rehearsing an impromptu routine, and getting ready for their light, Jarrell and the architects almost get skipped over. And they was like, we're gonna give you one shot. Let me see what y'all got. 
And then the rest is history. The black and white footage from the video shows the group forming a semicircle with the opening facing the camera. They dance aggressively, hitting signature turf dance moves as well as shaking their dreads. The majority of them are wearing the hoodies dedicated to Demetrius. Dancing in his honor, they left an impression on the filmmakers. We shot like three more times after that. And before the video came out, it was, oh, good job, architects, oh, you 40, people loving us, oh, Demetrius, rest in peace, Demetrius, all oh, the community, community. But as soon as that motherfucker hit MTV, it was like, man, it's all the hate and then the, the bullshit came. People were congratulating them on the video set, but were critical once the video came out. Jarrell says that other artists, dancers, and people from the Bay Area hip-hop community made comments about the fact that Jarrell is originally from L.A. or that the architects weren't that tight. Jarrell was shocked. That's when I realized, like, yo, people can love you on the way up, but the envy is a motherfucker. Envy will get you killed out here when people feel like they deserve more than you. And I experienced all that shit. Jarrell says people were envious of the architect's success. And really, it was misguided anger, a byproduct of the lack of resources. If there were more limelight, everyone could shine. But that video being on MTV and the media attention that was focused on the hoods of the Bay Area during the hyphy movement came on the heels of years of media neglect. So folks were hungry, vying for an opening. Some artists were over-promoting this hyphy thing. A few big media platforms, clothing lines, club promoters, and even community centers were selling it. Here's Zeus. Man, to be honest with you, I don't think Youth Uprising would have been that impactful if it wasn't for the dance culture. Because a lot of people were showing up for the dance culture and staying for the resources. You know what I mean? Jackie saw it differently. After the dance battles, how do you connect folks with counseling, healthcare, and other resources? We were like, okay, well, how do we move these young people into our programming? And that would sometimes be a challenge because I think sometimes we felt really, I felt for sure stressed out about like, okay, like, are we doing enough if they're coming here and they're not going into a, you know, career and education program? The whole situation made Jackie frustrated. You have to hit these deliverables. It's like, how do you, like, okay, you get this amount of money, now go and transform somebody's life as they've, yeah, experienced all this trauma and need all of the, these things or the fact that we all are going through our own shit. The Youth Uprising Center has gone through its ups and downs, but it still stands today. And back when it first opened, even with all the elements at play, the center was a beacon for kids like me and Zeus. We on the bus from catching a 57 from West Oakland all the way to 88 and MacArthur. And this is when it was super turfed out. I'm talking about real hood. So we up there battling cats. Like around the stage, it was like 300 people like hanging over, just having hella fun though. But you would have uh, different people from different sides of the city come out and battle each other. And that's how you earn your respect. Like with, with dancing, you earn your respect because you way somewhere in somebody else's hood and you can be battling their friend. But if you raw, they're going to be like, oh, you raw, bro. Like I still know people to this day from me meeting them at Youth Uprising. Those experiences, that community, 
those intangibles, they don't show up in a fiscal report. They show up in people's memories. I have mental pictures of audiences going wild after someone hit a backflip during a dance battle. Fond memories of meeting a new crush after the conclusion of an event. And I even have one picture from that day that E-40 pulled up for a photo shoot. We really wanted to create a safe space from the violence, safe space from the police, um, where we kind of held it down. And it was just this raw energy. Youth Uprising was one of the many nonprofits that both invested in and benefited from the culture. Its location, resources, and connections to big-name artists made it significant. But the youth programs, they were just a band-aid in the face of generations of neglected neighborhoods and people living in poverty. The trauma that we inherited existed long before we did. And still, we found joy in the middle of that. Some of the moments turned into photos. Others are invisible memories that are stories waiting to be told. And the stories, the way that they were told, and who told them, and what stories were not told, well, that's another layer to the trauma. We'll get into all of that in the next episode. Just the term hyphy was, it meant something completely different than what it was commercialized as. You know what I mean? It it wasn't a good thing, you know what I'm saying? Like, they didn't say like, oh, them kids is hyphy, and that meant that they were just dancing around having a good time. No, that means they were destructive and violent. This is Hyphy Kids Got Trauma, hosted by me, Pendarvis Harshaw. Produced by Maya Cueva. Edited by Chris Hambrick. Sound designed and original music by Trackademics. With support from Eric Arnold, Jin Chien, Holly Kernan, Victoria Malion, Marisol Medina Cadena, Gabe Maline, Jorge Olivares, Delincey Parham, Cesar Saldana, Sarah Cavedo, Katie Springer, Nastia Voinovskaya, and Rice Stottenborough. This project was produced with support from PRX and is made possible in part by a grant from the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation. And this is a part of KQED's That's My Word project, a year-long exploration of Bay Area hip-hop history. Find more at bayareahiphop.com. R.I.P. Demetria Ziegler and so many more. Until next time, peace. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love 
while also getting access to cool events, behind the scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support.